This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Viral Miguels. Chapter 4 A Fateful Encounter. What an eon of time a few heavy weeks may seem when an unexpected crisis has inaugurated a new life's calendar. It was nearly five months since that sunset hour in which Thurley Ruxton's dream had faded in the sky, and even less since she had taken charge of the work for Major Phipps, yet it seemed a time that extended far back into other ages of her being. Today, with fates and change once more impending, she felt she knew not what. She was not precisely sick at heart, but perhaps merely overwhelmed and utterly belittled by the sighs, the indifference, the ceaseless heave and tumult of gigantic New York, the city that, having been made by man, now made and unmade him in an hour. The huge device of stone and iron had received her as the sea receives a raindrop. She was one of a swarm of human beings, all blindly working, 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 as bees seem to work, no one individual for himself alone, but each for all, despite himself, to gratify the law of existence. It was not to be escaped, comprehended or measured, this unrelenting enginery of life. There seemed to be nothing, absolutely nothing, she could do to lift herself apart. She was simply submerged in the human tide which must rise and fall with the mighty laws that govern the cosmic scheme. She was sitting alone in Central Park, far out on its western border, pondering all her former dreams of rising to some brilliant eminence on which to receive the tribute of the world. The day had been cool. A few drops of rain had driven scores of park visitors back to their homes. Thurley was weary enough, after four miles of walking, to be glad of a rest on a bench. During the first exciting weeks of her metropolitan adventure, she had sought with conspicuous success to achieve an understanding of the ways to genuine usefulness in directing the work that Major Phipps was so mightily toiling to produce. She had likewise been confident of bounding soon to splendid things. She had won the Major's approval, his gratitude and trust, from the first of her employment. But she had found herself uncomfortably popular with all his force of clerks, and then her disillusionment had presently begun. The Major was her loyal friend, sincere and earnest in his praise, and that was all. She had neither expected nor desired social equality or opening of the magical door from the source of his, this association. She had readily discovered a fairly agreeable domicile. Her wages were saving themselves. 
altogether it appeared as if after all the commonplace fates had assumed a foster parenthood to guard her on a simple modest way regardless of her dreams a certain sort of utilitarian career seemed in its sphere even fair and promising but then there was something that constantly gnawed at her inmost heart the one brief effort she had made to discover a cousin edith steck by name whom she had vaguely known to be somewhere in new york city failed and had never since been renewed she had thought at the time that loneliness explained the sum total of her cares she knew at last it was not that only but things that went deep as life itself she had purposely avoided proffered friendship of the useless unedifying description choosing to remain aloof from anything save mere acknowledgments of acquaintance with all her fellow workers and the people of the house where she lived Today she wondered if it had paid she almost wished for any sort of friends provided they were honest and sincere for fifteen minutes she scarcely stirred sitting there lost in meditation to what would it lead this toil and hope this excursion into the maelstrom of the town what might any one situated thus achieve at last now that she was launched upon the tide a faint mirthless smile crept slowly to her lips freshening the radiance of her beauty she shook her head as if her knowing self thus gently rebuked the self of groundless dreams oh, how beautiful was all the scene this was almost enough to require the bright green grass with scattered leaves of vermilion and amber upon it the golden garnet trees the cool sweet air saturated full of essences autumnal idly she gazed across the park then at a squirrel frisking joyously by thus her glance came presently to rest on a small white object lying on the grass just at the end of her bench the object was a handkerchief a dainty lace confection immaculately clean folded in the neatest little square and marked with a small raised design she took it up a faint subtle fragrance was wafted to her senses the tiny thing was of cobweb frailty the design was a crest wrought with exquisite art in the tissue she was holding it carelessly when a muffled percussion attracted her gaze down the level roadway to a shadowed turn some distance off in the trees there a large blue touring car was leisurely rolling into view in charge of a bare-headed man a fine but bored appearing young viking who was driving about alone thoroughly watching felt a sudden splash of rain which brought her to her feet with quick decision to move to better shelter but the shower broke almost instantly quite unheralded as if it had spilled through a sieve it was one of those downpours swift and violent against which an umbrella is practically no protection thoroughly raised her silken tent at once 
however and fled to the base of a tree still watching the car in the road the driver she noted was clean-shaven broad-shouldered and ruddy he was obviously disturbed by the drenching of a robe in the rear of his car and cast a quick look upward at the sky making a momentary spurt as if to race and so abbreviate his discomfort or concern he abruptly altered his mind halting the car not fifty feet from the place where thoroughly stood then attempting to leap out hurriedly over his levers and the casing for extra tires he was tripped and thrown with exceptional violence landing face downward in the road with an arm crumpled awkwardly beneath him thoroughly uttered a little cry to see him plunge so heavily on his untwisted hand she moved a few steps forward in the rain he scrambled at once to his feet and turned his face tensely drawn and excessively white his left hand clinging to his limber right wrist as he weakly reeled back against the car that the man was in agony was obvious the eloquence of pain was in his poise he could barely stand the rain beat down on him savagely out across the intervening space thoroughly ran without a moment's hesitation her umbrella was raised and rain was bouncing from its roof you're hurt she said as she came to the car perhaps there is something i can do the man had seen her coming he gazed at her mutely for a moment his lips compressed with pain it's it's broken he said my wrist thoroughly had come sufficiently close to hold her umbrella above him it had all been done in obedience to something impulsive in her nature the man was suffering intensely she had utterly forgotten herself tell me what to do she said in her earnest manner i know it pains you horribly what shall i do to help he tried to smile then closed his eyes leaning heavily against the wheel a muscle twitching near his mouth the rain entirely ceased as abruptly as it had come ah i suppose i'll have to let someone drive me home he said struggling with a quiver of pain in all his being but i hardly like to impose upon you to ask you to look me up a man Well couldn't i drive you to the nearest relief asked thoroughly simply it might take so long to find help he looked at her curiously his eyes despite his hurt burned warmly in tribute to her beauty he thought he had never in his life beheld a face so nearly divine and indeed as thoroughly stood there by the car unconsciously sublimated by her sympathy she presented a vision that for sheer sweet loveliness could scarcely have been matched in all the world you drive he said with no attempt to conceal an astonished incredulity do you mean that you could really take the wheel oh yes if you need need me need my help she answered readily it can't be very far i'm sure to a place where where of course she will do much better she hesitated looking at him gravely adding i couldn't do less i knew you were hurt i i, I couldn't stand by and do nothing 
"'You are very kind,' he said, looking at her oddly, as before. "'I hope you will pardon my wretched limpness. "'I'll probably feel much better sitting down.' "'Shall I help you get into the car?' she inquired. "'Perhaps you'd better lean on my arm.' "'No, uh, no, I'm all right, quite all right, if you'll just get in,' he replied, and weakly he followed where she passed round in front of the car to mount uh, the unobstructed side. "'If you'll tell me where to go,' she said, as she took her place with the wheel in hand and speeded up the motor, "'I'll do my best to uh, down through the park to Columbus Circle,' he interrupted, sinking limply in his seat. "'Kindly overlook my impatience.' She dropped back the brake with her foot on the clutch, set the speed control at the first, and the car glided smoothly up the road. Half a minute later she had shifted to direct, and her passenger nodded his approval. He continued to cling to his wrist. The pain had surged entirely through his system down as far as his knees, it had sickened and rendered him utterly nerveless. Nevertheless, as he looked on her face, he was strangely abstracted from his suffering. A sudden outburst of sunlight was poured down on her at a parting of the clouds, and the gold of it made her a goddess. She had dropped the dainty lace handkerchief down beside his foot, but neither of them knew it was there. Round a narrow curve she swung the car, and the man beside her stared, uttered a smothered note of apprehension, and rigidly froze in his seat. Bearing down on them in criminal madness of speed, two huge red cars with hoods abreast were racing like motion-crazy demons. They practically occupied the road, and to it they clung, each of the drivers stubbornly determined that the other must slack or give off to the side to let the blue touring car pass. Thurley was out at the middle of the road. There was neither time nor opportunity to shift her position. The two wild comets charging lawlessly upon her were scarcely more than four feet apart from wheel to wheel. A momentary indecision, a gasp of helpless fright, and she and her passenger, car and all, would be hopelessly in collision with one or the other of the fools in the road where death might claim them all. The man at her side was out of it. Absolutely cold sweat broke out on his forehead. So imminent did the disaster appear. Even had he held the wheel himself, he could scarcely have known what to do. It happened in the briefest fraction of a minute. Thoroughly stayed with the middle of the thoroughfare, driving as true as a die, for the space between the onrushing monsters. It was far too narrow to let her through when she headed for the gap. She only hoped to wedge it wider. For a terrible second everything seemed hopeless. The wreckage of all three cars seemed inescapable as the coughing minotaurs hurtled upon her position. To the swerve of an inch, a second's unsteadiness, the slightest panic at the steering post, and the crash would startle the air. She was almost upon the race-tied pair when they gave to the nerve she was displaying. Even then they relinquished but a trifle apiece, and between the two, as they racketed by, she passed with a hand's width to spare. "'The fools!' 
cried the man who wrote it thoroughly sighed then he sank even deeper into his seat from sheer relief to all his throbbing nerves plus the pain unrelenting in his wrist that was superb a wave of colour passed lightly across thurley's cheek she began to realise the strangeness of the situation now that the threatened climax to the ride had sped away to the rear you are going to a doctor first i suppose she said as she glanced about for a possible policeman and gave the car a perceptible touch of speed your, your hand must pain you dreadfully i we're going we'll see he answered undecidedly after a moment he added perhaps i can manage to present my card and he started as if to grope in a pocket with his uninjured hand please don't she begged she cast him a quick inquiring glance is it necessary up to now there had been for her no element of personality in all the encounter he tried to smile again despite his pain is anything necessary anything that you or i did for a moment she did not answer then she said well it happened here we are yes it happened perhaps you'd rather i'd not introduce myself or inquire who you are she colored some way she did not care to confess that she was thoroughly ruxton ex-teacher of french and german in a college town and at present amanuensis for a reminiscent major of the army she some way felt that for the moment at least she occupied a sphere far different and she had come to new york to escape the past and escape her very self moreover the touch of mystery the moment afforded like a cloak in which to wrap herself appealed to her sense of humour and the fitness of the situation she flashed him a sunlit glance your wrist is the only thing that counts he continued to study her face to marvel at her beauty her poise her mastery over the car at least i i'd like to know whom to thank he said that would gratify me greatly her eyes were on the road ahead they were lustrous with excitement and her natural animation why attempt it especially as i'd rather you wouldn't she replied well my my impulse prompts a sense of obligation just as your impulse prompted this her face became more grave with sudden realization of what she had done but you were seriously hurt you were helpless i hope i was not inexcusably bold oh please he pleaded please be more kind to a pure uncalculating spirit of humanism if if not to me it was my wrist that was impaired not my discernment thoroughly made no immediate reply apparently all her faculties were focused on the cart they rode for a time in silence oh what a splendid team those horses she presently exclaimed partly to relieve the situation that she felt was becoming hard to sustain their beauties the team in question was approaching in the road far ahead they were glossy bays each with white feet that rose and fell in perfect unison 
to the tinkle and ringing of the silver equipment on their harnesses they were driven to a landau of dark maroon with coachmen and footmen in white maroon and black on the cushions alone and discontented sat a woman well toward thirty-five in the costliest of furs and infinitely bored with all the world the man at thurley's side glanced quickly from her face to the carriage they were about to encounter oh i i wonder if you'd mind stopping he asked her hurriedly just for half a moment thurley immediately threw out the clutch and applied the brake the woman in the landau had not only seen them approaching and recognized the owner of the car but was gracefully waving him to halt her carriage rolled up beside the big machine well robley stiverant she said as he raised his cap i see you're in town after all perhaps prepared to give me a few more trifling disappointments she was a beautiful woman in a somewhat artificial manner despite a certain smallness of her features the man in the car attempted to smile he was still very white really alice uh, mrs van kirk he said i ought to be ashamed i am indeed i am i thoroughly intended to come last friday evening and i counted on to-night but just a little bit ago robley interrupted mrs van kirk meantime gazing in rapt admiration on thoroughly at the wheel i really cannot consent to another excuse this evening i've broken my wrist he told her simply if it weren't for the kindness of he turned to thoroughly uh, mrs van kirk permit me to present my deliverer miss uh, miss samaritan he purposely mumbled the samaritan in order to conceal his natural confusion thoroughly and mrs van kirk exchanged a conventional murmur broken your wrist said the latter in genuine sympathy but studying thoroughly with penetrative eyes dear me that is simply ghastly i thought you looked a bit peaked uh, why robley this is serious i'm tremendously so sorry isn't there something i can do if you'd rather i should drive you home oh, thanks no he interrupted blandly but i trust my excuse is valid for to-night mrs van kirk hardly heard what he said so intent was her inspection of the girl at stiverant's side never in her life she felt had she seen a young woman more beautiful more abounding in possibilities more desirable as an asset a magnet for a lifeless drawing-room she was busily wondering who and what she could be what relationship she bore to stiverant and where he could possibly have found her uh, the party of the evening had slipped from her mind for the moment uh, your excuse she echoed valid uh, oh indeed it is my poor dear boy it's cruel of me to keep you here waiting like this but at least you'll come see me you don't walk on your wrist both of you come do come soon you'll be out of it robley driving your car riding everything do come and let me supply a little pleasure good-bye i'll expect you soon she nodded and smiled at thoroughly quite as much as at robley stiverant 
then once again her landau rolled along to the jingling of silver on the trappings the car with thoroughly at the wheel proceeded on its way end of chapter four